I'm John. I'm Rob. And this is Wax Lyrical. Where we talk all things NFTs on the Wax blockchain. So Rob, this whole NFT thing, why do we believe in it? It's a simple question, but it's a big question. We've touched on it before, but let's do a deep dive. NFTs and why we believe in them. Yeah, that's a big old question. It's a question we've, we have touched on a lot. I think we've we've talked about it, but we've never really gone, we never dedicated an episode to it. We've never really explained explicitly what it is we believe in and why. Yeah, I think through the past 10 episodes, you might have got an inkling as to why uh, we both personally believe in NFTs. But as Rob mm. says, we've never explicitly said why. So we thought we'd let you know. Yeah, I think it's an, it's an important, it's kind of a, so we should explain. You know what? I'm just going for full honesty, full disclosure. I personally needed less difficult topic this week because uh, I had a baby five days ago. Congratulations. And thank you very much. And uh, as I was telling John in our little preamble before we started recording, it's true that you don't sleep. So I am running on fumes. I, I'm My mind is, is very foggy. <laughs> and if we tried to, if we'd opened up questions and someone would have uh, asked one of those ridiculous questions we had during the Q&A episode, uh, I'd have just, I'd have melted. There'd, there'd have been... That'd have been it. We'd have had to just cut. So I needed something, something I I just know. Uh, I don't even know how to express the point. That's how, that's how tired I am. I will, I will get better. Something nice and fluffy, easily digestible. Yeah. Doesn't require too much, you know, higher level thinking, let's say. So. <laughs> no, I need to be on the lower echelons for the entire episode. I think that'll be the uh, the most... Um, I was going to say detailed word, but that makes no sense whatsoever. John, no, what are you talking maybe you've about? not been having any sleep. No, I haven't, but... <laughs> Different <laughs> <that's> reasons. The, <laughs> yeah, it's the same. <laughs> that's just always the case for me. Um, but anyway, why um, why do we believe in NFTs? Well, I think we both specialise in sort of two different areas when it comes to NFTs. So it yeah. makes sense for us to kind of split down the middle and talk about our specialist areas, let's say. Mm. So... Within gaming, of course, there's two sectors. There's gaming NFTs and there's art NFTs. Which one should we tackle first, Rob? Um, I think we should start with art because I want my brain to <laughs> gradually adjust to the pace of speaking to someone who's an adult and, um, and uh, having a reasoned conversation with information in it. So... Uh, let's start with you and art. I do obviously. Oh, we do have our distinct areas, but I mean, you stream games every week, yeah. and I also work in the photography sector, which is an art sector. So there is a lot of crossover. So I think we, um, yeah, we've got a lot to discuss. So is it was it art that brought you into crypto? I actually don't know the answer to that. It's a tough one. I've kind of touched on my path into crypto in the past, but it was a duck, it, wasn't it? Yeah, digital ducks is what got me into wax, but what got me into NFTs entirely is I don't think I've actually told the full story with this in the past. So I think around it's been November, December, January twenty uh well, November, December twenty twenty, January twenty twenty one. Um Rob is a big fan of this particular person, but I follow Gary V on socials for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Don't agree with everything he says, but hey, he's... Me neither. 
he pops up every now and again with some inspirational thing that helps me get through the day. So there we go. Uh, and of course, he started to talk about NFTs. And for the most part, I just dismissed it. You know, I was still, uh, well, I was in my old job at the time, working in uh, print publishing in the UK. Exciting. And mm, not as exciting as it sounds. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't sound exciting. So, no. <laughs> I know no. what office uh, office sales is like. I did it for three and a half years. So I'm, no. I'm right there with you. I felt like I was about 40 years behind the times working in that old workplace. But anyway, <laughs> um, Gary V started talking about NFTs and I thought, well, you know, they're cool. But it wasn't to the point where I wanted to explore them at all. And then one day, it must have been late January, early February 2021, I was actually watching a poker stream um, by the official PokerStars channel. Uh, they were streaming the Sunday Million, which is like their big weekly tournament. And in one of the hourly breaks, um, the two casters were just talking about random things. And one of them, I can't remember his name, starts talking about uh, NBA Top Shots just out there. Oh, really? And it's like, yeah, I bought, you know, these packs and I've got these NFTs. And I thought, you know, I, I'm literally, I'm just sat here watching a poker stream. I'm not doing anything else. Let's look into this a bit more. So I looked into NBA Top Shots. I thought... Yeah, this, this NFT thing seems kind of cool, but this isn't really for me. Plus, mm. you know, the, the, there isn't really a marketplace for them, so that's kind of, that's a bit naff, let's say. So I just started doing some Googling, and I cannot remember what Google search led me to Wax as a blockchain and Atomic Cup as a marketplace. I'd love to know that. But there was one yeah. uh, that, that led me that led me down that path. I thought, okay, oh, it's free for me to create a wallet. So, okay, I'll do this. And then started looking at, a few artists and you know got on the twitters and tried to follow the space a bit and that's when i did then come across you know digital ducks and was introduced to creek uh, and then the first semblances of nft insider started coming to the fore so hmm. i it was art nfts that got me into nfts um but it, it was weird that i kind of it was it was a twit it was the combination of gary v on linkedin plus a Twitch poker stream <laughs> that, yeah. led, uh, that led me to NBA Top Shots and then to the Wax blockchain, which is like a really convoluted path. Hmm. Um, but yeah, there's there's the full story. I don't think I've ever told that before, so there you go. No, I haven't, I haven't heard that before in private or on podcasts. So uh, I, I think actually it brings up a good point that when we say art, I think we should include collectibles in that bracket. Yes. Because it, they collectibles, I mean, Top Shots is technically collectibles, I guess. Um, and that that side of uh, NFTs actually came later for me, despite the fact that I had a background in the arts, I guess, as, as much as I hate to say the arts. <laughs> um, so I started working about, well, I've been a photographer for over 10 years and then I started in uh, about eight or nine years ago, I started working full time as a photographer after I finished my master's in nothing to do with photography, by the way. And uh, I went, did an interview, got a job and decided I couldn't go back to working in an office and I was just going to end it all because I'm never doing that again. Uh, God, telesales is the worst thing ever to exist on this yep. planet. Mm -hmm. um, anyway, uh, so I, I worked in photography and I still do to an extent. And NFTs now in photography are a topic that gets discussed. But, but back when I started first looking into blockchain, which was 
early 2018, maybe late 2017, I don't think so, probably early 2018. Um, the NFTs weren't, I mean, they were a thing, obviously, but our NFTs hadn't caught, they hadn't caught on like they have in the last couple of years, like yep. nowhere near. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't remember if I made the connection between photography and NFTs. I suspect I did, but it wasn't the area that um, necessarily attracted me. And then I discovered Wax um, from uh, one of, so we started Token Gamer about blockchain gaming in 2018. And one of our writers became um, an inspector general for Wax uh, Hmm. called Kiefer. So uh, he wrote, I think he only wrote one or two articles for us, but we hadn't heard of Wax at the time. And Wax was still just emerging very like right at the start of their life. Um, And he, he talked to Dave and I about Wax and he explained why they're so good. And, and that's when we started looking into them. And that's when I became interested in the art and collectible side. Although there wasn't an abundance of art on wax at that point, the collectibles, there was rumors of collectibles coming. And I think you had Dead Mouse and uh, there, were, there were a couple of people that had done collections on wax. And I yep. thought they were really cool. And the no gas fees was amazing because uh, I... I'll talk about it more when we get to gaming, but I started on uh, Engine, which is, or, you know, was, they're trying to fork away from it, but it was an Ethereum-based blockchain. And back then, gas fees weren't ridiculous, but they were still expensive. They, they were still unreasonable. Like paying $30 shipping for everything is just obscene. So yep. I really liked the wax, you know, no gas fees. And um, I liked the Atomic Hub and the way it was set up. So I started looking at collectibles more and more. And then, I think what hooked me was Street Fighter, the first Street Fighter drop. Mm. Uh, I've mentioned it before, but Dave and I were just, we were just really into the idea of this Street Fighter thing. And I think I said I had like five tabs open and I was just spamming F5 trying to get a pack because there was no queue system. It was just like, if you get in, you get one. And I bought a ton of packs and the unboxing experience, I didn't think would translate. I'm sure I've said this before as well, but I didn't think it translates to digital but I really felt like it did. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it was just really cool. And the, so the art side hooked me really on collectibles and, and the, the initial Street Fighter drop, I think. Hmm. That's interesting. It's weird that we kind of, for you, it was very much sort of the big IPs that drew you into wax. And for yeah. me, it was, um, it was more sort of the smaller artists just making some like cool little trinkets. Yeah. Um, but I guess this brings me on to my first point of why I believe in NFTs. Uh, that is that for artists in particular, it gives them a much more accessible path to money. Yep. Essentially. Um, you know, for the longest time, the stereotype has been, you know, the starving artist in some studio apartment somewhere who's, you know, pitching all of these bits of artwork to galleries and trying to get their shows together and trying to get themselves out there into the world as much as possible and not finding much success. Whereas I think NFTs have opened entirely new career opportunities for artists and I think has made art as a field um, a much more accessible and in some forms desirable career choice you know there's whether you're in the UK or the US you see news stories every day about you know some artists that you know it's been struggling for years and now that NFTs have happened you know all of a sudden they're like oh you know I can I mean not even to like incredible levels of, of success even though there's examples of that but people are just like you know i can now make a living off of 
my artistic talent. And that's such a fantastic thing to see because, you know, for years and years and years uh, prior to me ever being in the NFT space, I used to do a lot of video editing, graphic design, etc. And, you know, prior to making NFTs for the NFT Insider collection, uh, which were paid for in the beginning, uh, prior to that, I was, you know, making logos for youtube channels and like twitch stream overlays and things and getting paid a pittance for it really yeah yeah and being able to sort of hope focus my talents towards creating nfts that in my opinion they're okay they're nothing special um but being able to make decent amounts of crypto off them was like okay you know if this is working for me then for for artists that are like way more talented than i am this is an incredible opportunity Mm. Yeah, I, it's. I don't know why I've not spoken about this really before. Now listening to you unpack that, I realise that perhaps I should have looked at the photography and art side for me in terms of um, why I liked NFTs much earlier than I did. I've still, I've still never made an NFT of anything I've created artistically. But one of the chief selling points to me for NFTs is just that. And one of the chief selling points of the metaverse to me is the creator economy that it's trying mm-hmm. to um, encourage and, and nurture. So I don't, I don't know why I've, I've not really looked at it personally, but I, I agree. I love that um, anybody who creates something has the opportunity to actually make money from it. And it, it feels a little bit like the early days of the internet with... Yeah. So, I mean, when I first started photography, it was probably a about 12 years ago 12 13 years ago is when I first bought my my first camera and I was on a car forum funnily enough and that's how I got into photography because there was a number of photographers on there and some of them were making a really decent living off of selling stock photography doing that now is almost impossible it's so close to impossible you have to either do micro stock where you're just uploading like a hundred images a day and just try and do it by bulk Mm -hmm. or you have to be insanely lucky I don't even know how much talent has has a role to play in this. Like I've I shot for Getty, I've shot for a number of decent ones, and I've I made very little money from that side of things. And the really the the money I made have made in photography and and still continue to make is all commercial stuff. When it comes to the private selling of things, I I have never made that much money from prints or from selling like artworks. I have done some. I, God, it makes me cringe saying this, but I have done some fine art prints and they sold well to collectors, but very, very rare, like not sort of a, an established revenue stream, but rather sporadic um, paychecks just dropping into my lap. But to, to give you an idea of how ridiculous it is an area for anyone who's just trying to be an artist rather than a business person, which you have to be to succeed in the arts, unfortunately, mm-hmm. Um I, I took a I took two, in the space of twelve months a couple of years ago. I had this is going to sound boasty, but I'll <laughs> I'll explain why it's not at the end. Um, I in the space of twelve months I had an image at an exhibition. One of my photographs was at an exhibition at the Louvre in Paris. Wow. That same image was at an exhibition in Times Square in New York, and then another image was on a large billboard in Times Square in New York. That was all in the space of twelve months. I want you to, and I'm going to be deadly honest about it, I want you to try and guess in dollars how much money I made from those three things happening. Judging by what you've just been saying, not much. 
Um, I mean, yeah, I, you've read I, between I, the lines well. You know, you've got when you're talking about places like the Louvre, Times Square. I'm thinking, you know, oh, mid five figures would be like a common guess, but I imagine it's nothing like that. Yeah, you're five figures off. It's zero. Wow. The the exhibition basically like they do to all artists. They're like, do you want to be in the Louvre? And I'm like, of course, I want to mm. be in the Louvre. And like, well, we're doing an exhibition on emerging artists. We want to have your piece of diversity in there. Um, and I was like, yeah, cool. Like, what do you need me to do? And they're like, we'll send over the original file and stuff. And I was like, okay, how does the money side work? And they're like, well, if any anyone wants to buy a print of you, they'll contact you. Your contact information will be on there, but we don't pay you because you're, we're putting you in the Louvre. And I was, I remember at the time thinking. I kind of have to accept because it's very cool, even though I'm not getting paid and I clearly can't negotiate a fee here. It's not open to nego- negotiation. Yeah. And the same thing happened with the one in Times Square. It was a different company that did that. And then the billboard was a part of another campaign that I didn't really have any involvement in, but they used one of my images. And I think I was perhaps a little bit naive and uh, I thought it would it would be more substantial than it was. This was back when I really thought that if you had... 500,000 followers you'd be a millionaire like yeah. because it was just it seemed like you could leverage a following and these successes and I was so proud of those those like achievements yeah but they didn't earn me anything and this is how people end up as starving artists like the, the money I have made in photography has been from being a uh, average to slightly above average business person mm-hmm. not from being a top tier artist because if you just want to be a top tier artist you needed a lot of luck and now we're at a point where you perhaps need to have some knowledge on um, marketing yourself, yeah. which you'll always need. Mm-hmm. But NFTs and platforms like Atomic Hub and the really tight-knit communities that you see in um, WAX means that anybody who has a strong idea and can consistently create good art I'd be shocked if you you couldn't make a living off it right now, and I think the only way for that is up as well. I think we're at the start, not not in the middle of something like that. Oh, absolutely! I think that that story about obviously your your prints being in the Louvre and Times Square it kind of reinforces that old stereotype about artists being paid in exposure. Yeah, yeah, and to, to hear that that's still alive and well today is is a shame. Um, it's something that's affected me in the past. You know, you'll design things for people say, oh, you know, you'll get so many people contacting you for such and such. It never works out that way. No. But NFTs give creators a path, well, a different path, you know, where you can actually get paid and not just by exposure. Or if you, if you are, you know, creating NFTs for free, it's your own choice. Um, yeah. But given the, the creator the ability to create their art, set whatever price they like and then see what the market thinks is a much fairer system in my mind than say than a big gallery saying hey we'll stick your print your piece of art up here we're not going to pay you anything (laughs) but we'll give you the exposure and you might get something from that it's there's always something really corny about that system that struck me the wrong way um yeah i don't know whether perhaps it worked at some point when maybe everything was more word of mouth pre-internet, yeah. um, mm-hmm. maybe exposure was just really valuable because if your image was on the front cover of a magazine with your name, loads of people are going to see you that wouldn't see you otherwise. But when you have access to hundreds of millions of people online, that sort of any sort of exposure, it just is not going to pay dividends. And 
I think when it comes to selling art as NFTs or, you know, creating your own collectibles or selling collectibles, I think one of the most valuable things is not only can you sell it, but you can have baked in royalties. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the hardest things to do as an artist is to create stable revenue streams. Yeah. Tremendously difficult. And there's kind of a a meta sort of economy where most of the most successful people I know in the industry, particularly with, in photography, the way they make their money is by teaching how to make money and teaching how to do the craft better and stuff like that. And while I think educational content is extremely valuable, I, there is this weird kind of trend where people are like, I will teach you how to make six figures. And then they don't. But then they make six figures, ironically, off of the fact that they're teaching you how to make six figures. It, it's just, it's strange. And I, I think there's far more ways to earn money from NFTs. A lot of people just think it's, you know, you put your NFT up, it sells for 800 million to some collector and, and then you're rich forever. But Wax, I we've said this before, but Wax NFTs, I don't believe are remotely in a bubble. I don't think they're anywhere near a bubble. Like the Bored Apes, CryptoPunks, they... You could argue that they are in a bubble. Whether they are, I'm not. I'm not too sure. I'm on the fence about that. I, I think there's a good argument for them not being in a bubble, mm-hmm. particularly as you know, their historic relevance now. But I don't think Wax has any real examples of that of something that's so inflated and has no utility. So I think we're we're looking at, particularly with Wax, we're looking at a, an art and collectible ecosystem that could be very strong and very valuable um, to creators, and and that's. That's really, really powerful because at the moment it feels, I can say this from first-hand experience, it feels working in the arts as if you're becoming homeless, as if they're mm. all the channels you've been taught to make money by selling prints, by selling stock photography or, you know, stock art you can you can sell. Um, all, all of these revenue streams have dried up as the internet has changed and free stock has become a thing and it, we need something new and I mentioned a few podcasts ago that uh, a photographer who wrote for me in um, for the website I'm editor he sold a few images and he sold one for like $10,000 and that is a significant amount of money particularly to a photographer and artist where there aren't many jobs that will pay you know five figures mm-hmm so um, yeah, I, I I think it's I've gone sort of around the houses at this point, <laughs> but I do think that that's personally why I believe in art and collectible NFTs. I think it's probably two points: art, you know, that's why I believe in art NFTs. Collectibles, I think collectibles have started to fall out of uh, favour with younger people. I don't think collecting baseball cards and and football stickers and stuff. I don't think it's quite as popular as it was or has been over the last hundred years, say. So I think it needed a, an update to be more digital, given that the kids these days, like my nephew is two years old and he is fluent on the iPad. They're being raised in a digital world. Mm-hmm. So I think they will put more stock in digital items. And uh, it, it makes sense to have a lot of these collectible things in a digital wallet and as a digital collectible that they can show their friends on their phones which they inevitably have when they're like six so uh, <laughs> I think yeah I think it just it follows the the trajectory of modern society I, oh it does for sure I, I come to think of it I'm I'm unsure if this is true or not of course I don't play with match attacks and things like that nowadays but I, I wonder if within you know 
those sorts of ages, you know, 10 and under or sort of the teenagers, whether they do still value like trading cards like they used to. I don't think they do. Um, I, I do. There's still obviously a market for Funko Pops and uh, vinyls, especially for like people my age, vinyls a market unto themselves, let's say. Yeah. <laughs> but apart from those sorts of edge cases, I do think physical collectibles tend to be falling out of favor for the average person. I and mean, maybe it's that's concurrently falling with the, the rise in the, um, the desirability of digital collectibles. Um, yeah. But, but to go back to, I, I mentioned career opportunities there and, you know, we've just had that, that chat about um, sort of the monetary side of art. Uh, and of course, the rise of NFTs has led to, for many artists, completely new types of jobs. You know, whether yeah. that's um, creating art for NFT games, although you could argue, you know, creating art for games has been around for ages, but uh, more in the case of metaverses yeah. and creating items for metaverses. Um, this comes to mind because this week, of course, um, Immersus has been holding their, uh, their first metaverse property auctions. Right. Uh, where you can buy apartments or retail units and of course, once you have those, you want to kit them out with, I don't know, sofas, tables, whatever the hell you want. Mm. But somebody's got to make those assets. And there's, you know, there's opportunities there for 3D artists um, to have a new, you know, a, a different path to go, let's say. Because I think for the majority of 3D artists, you know, you're mostly working on games, designing characters. Or, but if you're, if you're finding it difficult to get... Uh, to find employment at a major game studio or even at an indie studio, then there's now an opportunity to just go freelance and create things for the metaverse. And, you know, there's not just Immersus on Wax, there's dozens of different metaverses popping up. And, you know, we've touched on Facebook's meta in the past, but I'm sure if they manage to get whatever their interpretation of a metaverse is off the ground, there'll be plenty of opportunity there for artists to focus on creating purely digital items yeah I, th- I think that's a really good point you know that the rise of nfts and the rise of blockchain technology has increased the demand for digital artists and creators exponentially i mean it, it's really kind of invented a demand for it mm. in, in many ways being a digital artist for like a concept artist for games and stuff is a really niche job. I imagine unless you're in the sort of 1% who have a proven track record and have worked on AAA games, I can imagine it being very difficult to get any kind of work in that, in that area. Mm-hmm. Whereas now, I mean, I can't imagine how much work people who have done a lot of digital art are getting simply to create NFTs. I mean, if you're selling your services as a, a, a good digital artists that can create nft collections for people i imagine there's quite a few people absolutely raking it in off off the back of that so it is interesting and i think that demand will stay particularly as you mentioned with the the metaverse growing and people wanting to customize probably their avatars and their digital land and anything else they want to do there is going to be a, a real a real demand for it did i talk about on this podcast before um the game that I believe was a metaverse before the metaverse was ever even thought of. Did I discuss this? I can't remember. I believe so. Well, anyway, the the, the 
the point, the only point I want to take out of that story anyway, <laughs> is that I was buying items for my house in a game in like 2002. Hmm. And it was just this, it was just like a little online world called Cybertown. And uh, I was, people were making, someone made a PlayStation 2 in this game. It was like yes. a, yeah. it was like two blocks. And I, and I went and bought it so I could put it into my house. And I think that will just, that, uh, it's almost like an instinct that you want to just customize the things that you have and, and make it your own. You want to put your own stamp yep. on things and, and have identity. And I can't see how that doesn't just translate perfectly into digital worlds, which means that the demand will not only continue to be as, as powerful as it is at the moment, but as we learn how to properly onboard people into the metaverse without you know zero knowledge and, and a really smooth on-ramp, we will have far more demand for these sort of things. And I, I think we will see a burgeoning economy come off the back of it, which is, you know, this is exciting for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just on wax, you know, I've, I came into the space around about the same time as people like Stuck at 6pm, as people like uh, Floyd Jenkins and Floyd Farmins, um, just after people like Creek. Mm. And, you know, I know at least in Stuck's case, he has hired artists for his game directly from the community and these are people that I'm, I'm unsure personally whether they had positions in art or whatever before but the fact that you know within the space of 12 months they've been able to obtain a revenue stream through creating art for blockchain games for metaverses etc you know this was an industry that didn't really exist well, didn't exist at all five years ago uh, I mean even yeah. even 12 months ago it wasn't really a thing and it really has exploded um, in recent months especially i do think um, another aspect of of nfts that appeals to artists it's it's created entirely new forms of art so yeah i've mentioned this on the podcast before but uh, nuno is one of the community managers at atomic hub has in the past uh, he showed me this piece on OpenSea, which is basically this destructive piece of art this guy attached a load of explosives to a dilapidated building blew it up recorded it in slow motion stuck it up as an nft could not exist in the real world or if it did it was kind of like a it was it would be a moment in time let's say it would be hey at this place at this time i'm going to do this artistic expression and then everybody would forget about it but now with nfts you can record that upload it and monetize it and somebody can own that moment in time that form of expression in ways that just weren't possible beforehand and i think we've only just scratch the surface on what's possible in terms of art when it comes to nfts and as time goes on i'm sure we're going to see many many more uh, creative ways of artists expressing their their feelings their beliefs their you know their view on the world <laughs> let's say how many more uh, benign artistic expressions kind <laughs> <I get laughs> of bad but you, you get my point it's um it, it really does open a, a pandora's box of opportunity yeah it, it does and i think perhaps this will segue nicely into gaming but i think that those more complex examples of uh art like the the building and I, I think people are doing even more complicated stuff with that with smart contracts and um sort of built-in utility and wasn't there a, an nft where uh there's different functionality like it changes depending on what you do with it and if mm-hmm. you claim it and there's there's a lot of really interesting quirks that people are building into things i think 
the opportunity to make money from this industry also um, translates across to developers and being able to make things like add-ons for games and being able to create in the more technical sense of the word. And that, I think, nicely segues us into <laughs> gaming, which is, uh, I mean, we say it's my area, but like I said, I mean, you stream, Is it? it's three times a week, isn't it now? It is, yeah. So you yeah, you play a lot of blockchain games. You probably play more blockchain games than me, um, <laughs> which is not great considering I write about it every <laughs> single day. Um, but I think the gaming side of blockchain is intrinsically linked with the NFTs. And as we've talked about, you know, game art and um, skins and things like that, which I think is an area that needs to be explored. I think a, a lot of artists will be able to create skins and models for games and then earn off the back of that sure. and uh, a friend of mine is a developer and he's, he's working on a really interesting crypto project at the moment and one of the things he's really excited about is being able to have people build add-ons and um, content for games mm. and then have ownership of that and earn it and earn from it so we've we've seen modders for years and years and years but they couldn't ever really monetize it because it's not their intellectual property mm-hmm. it's, it's all just kind of uh like a gray market uh, of distribution whereas with blockchain technology they can they can own their add-on and they can earn from their add-on and uh, the companies that develop the original game can can and probably will facilitate that sort of modern community that rallies around all big games so I think there's a lot of areas in which people who want to create anything will have a space within gaming as well as uh, art and collectibles. And I think um, as NFTs become more valuable through utility in that you can use them in the games you want to play, I think that the companies will want to invest more in artists creating more and more skins because, I mean, it's a money machine at that point and people feel as if they're they're getting more from a transaction at the moment if you buy a skin you, you don't own anything you you know that if your account's banned or if they shut down the server it, you know what i've got the best example for this i haven't ranted about this for years and i'm instantly <laughs> infuriated the second i remember it so i once about 10 15 years ago there was this first person shooter that i will have to find the name of but i definitely can't right now um and it was by sony and they did this futuristic first-person shooter. Love first-person shooters. And I bought it and I was really, really enjoying it. And I played it a load every single day I was playing it. And they had a microtransaction shop as, you know, it was quite new then. And you could buy like skins for the characters and guns and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I spent about, I don't know, 30 pounds, which is like nearly $40 probably, yep. um, on just various stuff. I, I was at uni at the time, so I didn't have a great deal of money. That was kind of a silly investment from me. <laughs> Um, and they shut down the game after about two or three months. It didn't get the the feedback they wanted, so they shut the game. They refunded me for the game itself, but the items that I'd bought, they refunded me with store credit. So mm. I, I just I'd never felt more conned in my life. Like they they just and I, I opened ticket after ticket saying I don't play any other games on the Sony. I, they had their own like Origin Steam style platform back then. Yeah. I don't play anything else. Can I just have it back? And they're like, no, we're giving you SOE credits or something like that. And I just felt like, what a con. Like, I, I don't, I have no control. I have no power. And yeah. the same thing happened in um, an, 
uh, an MMO. Oh God, I, I can't remember the name of it. Basically, I got fully conned out of an MMO. I bought a load of stuff in the in-game shop, and it was a it was an Asian MMO, and they they banned my account after I I made a forum post criticizing something in the game, and they banned they banned my account. They never applied to a single ticket. Wow. And I'd spent like a hundred pounds in their like on microtransactions in the store, buying various stuff I didn't need, and it made me acutely aware of the fact that I don't have any power and I don't have any ownership. So I'm giving them money for the opportunity to borrow something off them. That's all yep. that's happening, mm-hmm. and that's what really sold blockchain to me. And that's obviously um, Buterin, uh, the inventor of Ethereum famously created ethereum because of world of warcraft like i don't, I don't know if you you've seen this or read this but he uh, he was playing a warlock in wrath of the lich king and uh they nerfed siphon life you can tell i played what you can tell i played wow for years just yeah. rattling off all the spells they nerfed siphon life so it only healed you and didn't do damage which basically killed all the fun of it it was it was a really fun spell and he became aware that he just like he has no power he doesn't own anything nothing Nothing is really his. He's just borrowing things. And that's why he started working on Ethereum, funnily enough. And it, he wrote about World of Warcraft again. Um, I didn't, Did you see his article this week? I didn't actually, no. So it's funny. It's about soulbound items in WoW, ah, yes. which is um, essentially the, uh, the items you pick up that you can never trade or sell. They're stuck to you. So it's essentially if you were to make... Um, on wax when you mint an nft you can tick a box whether you want it burnable or tradable or both and if you unticked tradable you could send someone an an nft and they uh, can never trade it or sell it Mm -hmm. so he was talking about how that could shift the focus from um, really money centric nfts to you know perhaps uh, utility more than than just the money side because it is kind of a, a cynical particularly on ethereum it's a it's a pretty cynical um, marketplace yep. um so it, it for me the gaming side come it it really does hinge on item ownership and what that does for gamers and the it gives you a sense of power and i know sorry i've gone on a bit of a monologue here <laughs> <laughs> i've really gone you, you you just prodded me in the right direction and i, and I went off on one um but I'll, I'll end on this point um michael pactor criticized gme for wanting to do an nft gaming marketplace and uh he said it was going to be dead on arrival and it was a dumb idea because there's never going to be a time where publishers collaborate in a way where you can use items from one game in another and while I think he's probably right, at least for the foreseeable future, I don't care because I can still own that item. You, you still own it regardless. And the likelihood is it'll have utility in other games within that publisher's ecosystem. So mm-hmm. Blizzard, you might see an item in Diablo and in WoW, for example. Yep. Um, so yeah, item ownership. I'm going to have a drink of water. And if you want to have a go at this podcast thing now, it's your turn. <laughs> Thanks for thanks for handing it off to me. Um, literally, as we're recording this podcast, I've just seen an article uh, saying that Nintendo is interested in the idea of a metaverse, and I think similar to the to the Blizzard example you've just given, I imagine if they go a metaverse route, it would be okay. You can use X item in this Mario game and then transfer it to another Mario game, or hey, yeah. you can let's say if you know mario maker you can transfer items between different mario maker games or or whatever the case may be but there's definitely some uh there's an interesting 
uh, interesting stance to unpack. But we're seeing so much more of that. I know this is a bit of a tangent, but we're seeing so many more AAA studios and publishers um, say that they're quote-unquote exploring NFTs right now. And yeah. it's, it's interesting um, to see that. But going back to um, sort of your point about you know putting so much money into games that then just disappear... I have quite a few of those, <laughs> um, in particular MMOs. Although it's less that my account got banned or, you know, something untoward happened. It's just, you know, I might spend £50, £100 in an MMO and then just stop playing it. And yep. at that point, you know, even though nothing negative's happened per se, I've just either lost faith in the game or don't have time to play it. All that money I've invested... I can't get back and one of the reasons that I think or I believe in NFTs in particular in gaming is that throughout human history basically whatever is the more convenient option for people people will gravitate towards so this is a bit of a left field example but bottled water exploded 20 30 years ago because people appreciated the convenience you know they no longer have to be near a tap to have water they just go to a store they buy a bottle of water they drink it whatever they get what they want on demand and i feel there's a similarity there when it comes to to game skins or any sort of game items really so you know if i desire a game item let's say it's a it's a gun skin in csgo and I purchased that skin. If I, start, I tried to think how much money I've actually got in CSGO gun skins, but that's another yeah. that's another question. But, you know, if I, I'm not playing CSGO, like I'm not playing it right now, I would quite like to get my money back or at least get some of it back, you know, and b- being able to trade those skins on the secondary market or in one way or another uh, redeem their inherent value which of course is determined by the community and how much they like that skin or like that item it will be beneficial to everybody that's that convenience factor you know and it's it almost boggles me that it's taken so long for games to have that option i know it from a you know from a dev point of view or a publisher's point of view you know it allows them control let's say they have control of their in-game items uh, but even then, with the rise of NFTs and the rise of, you know, 5% creator fees on the secondary market, so, you know, whoever is the original creator can get a share of, of sales, and to have that option there now is, I think, and now that it's been exposed to maybe not the general gaming public, but at least people playing blockchain games or people dealing in NFTs at all, I don't think it's one we're going to let go of now. I think as blockchain games become more popular as more AAA studios start incorporating them i think the idea of having digital assets that you really do own and can trade and sell and give to other people is one that's going to become a standard within gaming in future yeah absolutely and i think one thing people overlook a lot when it comes to blockchaining in gaming is how valuable this is for the publishers and the developers yeah which really is the bottom line that that's why microtransactions that's why free to play um the sort of freemium model they came to fruition because 
they're very very lucrative for the people um, involved in the business side of the game and when it comes to these tradable and sellable nfts they'll take a cut every time it's sold so they're making money for old rope they are selling something and just making money off it over and over again like um i can't remember which company it was but there was a company that was really um i nearly swore really negative about (laughs) um selling secondhand computer games back in like the 90s and noughties Mm. where you'd buy a game you complete it and then you'd take it to you know GameStop or Electronic Boutique do they still exist? Electronic Boutique or um, (laughs) don't think so (laughs) you know no almost definitely not or Cash Converters Mm. uh, where you know you get a tenner for five of your games you paid probably 150 quid for and then they sell them and basically the developers and publishers they get no money for this whereas you you would (laughs) with with uh, with anything sold yeah, and this this extends past items here, which is another important point. Um, this one undoubtedly happened in the wax space, but uh, Ultra, the uh, gaming platform, they are working on something at the moment where people can buy games in a Steam-like library, they can mm. play them, and then they can sell the game once they're done with it, Okay, which... I think is a really interesting system. And it basically opens up a completely new revenue stream for these publishers and one that is potentially lucrative beyond all words. I mean, imagine if all the skins you bought in any game you've ever played, LOL, Fortnite, uh, CS, anything. Yep. Imagine, you know, you get a skin, you love it, you use it for ages, and then a new skin comes for that gun or that character and you're like, oh, I prefer that. And you buy that and then you sell the old one. Like, you're getting some of your money back. The publisher is getting some some extra money from a percentage of that transaction. Yep. The people buying it secondhand, it probably wasn't in the shop anymore if they have a rotating shop like most do. Mm-hmm. So they're getting something that you couldn't get before. And then certain items will become rarer, which means they'll go for higher fees, which means they'll get higher fees to the publishers. Like th- There's just so many benefits to blockchain technology and gaming that it boggles my mind when people just seem to... Uh, particularly the gaming community that's it seems like a huge portion of the gaming community just like oh it's a scam Mm -hmm. uh, even if you don't believe in item ownership or you know the information being on a distributed database even if you don't like nfts or blockchain technology you've got to look past it you've got to look at the application at a business level and there's so i was going to say this earlier when you were talking about um gary v and how it it sort of ushered you into the space i don't like pointing towards social proof for any sort of point i don't think it's particularly valuable to say you know a hundred thousand people like this band this band must be good Mm -hmm. i don't think that makes any sense but i think there is something to be said about when the biggest companies the biggest innovators the biggest entrepreneurs tech geniuses they all see the immense value of blockchain and many 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 of them have either jumped ship like jack dorsey to go build on the blockchain or they have revolutionized their entire company, taking a massive multi-hundred billion dollar hit, like uh, Mark Zuckerberg with Facebook, change to Meta. Um, or they're making sure that their company brings it on board, like Square Enix. Uh, you mentioned Nintendo. Uh, and you've got people like Steve Jobs. You've got the guy who created Alibaba, one of the richest people in the world. You've got mm-hmm. you know, Elon Musk. There's all the people who have achieved 
unbelievable things and all the companies that have created some of the best products of all time, I'd say a big, big portion, probably the majority of them are interested in the applications of blockchain because they see the value of it. Yep. So I think too many people get hung up on board apes, like oh, why someone spent eight million yep. on a board ape. And I get, I get that. I get that confusion that sometimes I feel that confusion too. I know you don't. <laughs> but sometimes I feel that confusion too. But the technology that underpins it is just unbelievably valuable. And that's why yep. we throw around words like revolutionary which gets people's back up and it does sound mm-hmm. a bit cult-like which i criticize crypto space for all the time but it is revolutionary and it, and it is going to revolutionize almost every single industry it touches and this is why i don't get particularly stressed when we're in you know i said this this week in an article like we've the crypto market lately has had more red candles than the gothic church it's just unbelievably <laughs> negative and every day you refresh in your portfolio and it's like minus minus this minus that and it's, it's depressing to look at but the reason i don't particularly care is because blockchain value is absolute i, I think we yep. said this last week like it, it's just unaffected by the dip mm-hmm. it's still got as many applications as it did you know in december when everything was at all-time highs so yep. Again, another monologue. Uh, <laughs> but considering how tired I am, <laughs> I'm talking yeah, a lot. You're doing really well. You are doing very, very well. Um, Should have about years ago. <laughs> just just to, to wind back a little bit, um, you mentioned Facebook changing the name to Meta there. I read an article earlier today, actually. I'm not sure whether it was regarding this month or this quarter, but for the very first time since Facebook has founded, they've seen a dip mm. in their amount of active users. It's yeah, gone. It's gone down by the most minute amount, but it could be a sign that Zuckerberg's play to transform Facebook into Meta maybe hadn't come at altogether a too bad time. You know, if Facebook's um, user base is starting to dwindle, then hey, with the amount of money, the amount of uh, talent they have within that company pivoting towards the metaverse might not be a terrible idea and i guess we'll see how that develops speaking of electronic boutique which i'm fairly certain doesn't exist anymore they don't i i sorry i just looked this up (laughs) they 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 merged with gamestop funnily enough oh interesting Um, but it was pretty recent which is why i didn't know they merged on the 6th of october 2005 Jesus, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen one or come across one. So. No, well, that, make, that makes sense. You're probably like three, weren't you? I'm mean, showing my youth again. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> but it starts like like that and CES, CES, CEX and cash converters. I'm sure in America and around the world, you've got your other equivalent sort of middle men reseller shops. They're such scams, aren't they? I mean, yeah. you go in there and sell your second-hand phone for maybe a tenth of what it's worth, and they immediately resell it in the same store for like fifty, yep. for like a, a mark upon what you sold it to them for. I'm shocked that stores like that still exist. I, I get why, of course. You know, some people you know need access to quick cash, but this just shows the. Um, when you resell NFTs, you're doing it on an open marketplace where you can get a fair price for them. Nobody is set, like buying NFTs at 50% less than what they're worth and immediately flipping them. Or if they are, it's because somebody's selling an NFT for a lot less than what it's worth. But with any mm. decent marketplace, you'll be able to see, okay, what's the average price of this NFT? What's the current lowest price, etc. Like, it's very hard to get screwed out of money in that way. And I just yeah. think it's, you know, it's another benefit of, of the NFT economy is fair secondary market pricing. 
like you know if you if you purchase something firsthand and want to sell it on the secondary market there's going to be people that desire that item for the correct price there's not a middleman that's going to take it off you for pennies on the dollar and then sell it to make a profit and yeah some people might say that's kind of removing a middleman industry and that's a bad thing but how in the world is that a bad thing you know middleman industries such as that just should not exist they're inherently anti-consumer anti you know market generally so Mm. nfts cutting that out is just a net positive for everybody yeah so i i think a lot of those shops um were particularly big when i was uh, a kid so in the 90s when i was like a like a child we i i would get games for christmas or what shut up shut up i can hear you sniggering in the background uh, we we would i'd get games for christmas or birthday or with you know whatever money i i had and um, if i wanted a new game i would take all of the games i didn't want to play anymore and i'd trade them in but the reason they were so popular is because you didn't really have any other option. Yeah. It wasn't very easy to sell things yourself. Whereas it feels like what NFTs have built into them, or at least they easily facilitate, is what eBay has done for physical items. It, mm. it just made it simple. I mean, there's tons of apps um, like Vinted and stuff like now that where yep. you can sell items very, very easily. Facebook Marketplace is another one. Uh, these sort of online businesses... Um, revolutionized the reselling of secondhand physical items so i think that being baked into nfts means that yeah it's better for everyone involved and i think there is also another i mean i'm perhaps going a little too deep here but (laughs) there's a there's another deeper string to this bow and that is you mentioned the middleman um with the physical items there still is a middleman generally it'll be eBay and there's probably two middlemen, eBay, maybe three, <laughs> eBay, <laughs> PayPal, and then whoever you send the parcel with. Yeah. Um, with blockchain, it's trustless. So technically the middleman is blockchain, yeah. but it is trustless. So you can't lose your money. There's there's no way that you, you don't have to rely on the reliability of, of someone else so there's been think yeah. of how many paypal disputes there are where someone sells something i've seen them all the time in the camera industry they'll send something they'll send a camera or a lens for a few thousand pounds they'll take the payment on paypal and then the person will say uh, it didn't come up the shipping company's mm-hmm. lying and they will query the um, payment and they will request a refund and they're often granted it mm. which this is the problem with trust i mean paypal are making the decision there and it's not just paypal this happens with everything um they have to make a call and the problem with that is you're relying on someone to make a decision based on their own perspective of the problem where um, you know it, it can be wrong whereas yep. we don't have that issue with blockchain you know if someone buys something everything's on the distributed ledger everything is visible and public and there isn't really room to be, I mean, there's scams everywhere, but there isn't really room to have that same sort of issue because the yeah, it's a middleman, but it's also not a man. It's just a middle unit that facilitates the uh, transactions. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I just realized I, I tend to say, yeah, absolutely. And I think as my general go-to in line to, I think most Have things- you started to notice- yeah, yeah. It's, we're now 11 episodes in. We start to start to notice our own uh, quirks. But I will say, 
it's an inherently fairer system uh, secondary market nft sales are than say you know the ebay example uh, take the ebay example like you said ebay will take their cut paypal will take their cut and then whatever courier will take their cut and the grand scheme of things you know the the courier in that example they only exist to facilitate um the movement of a physical object from one place to another so yeah. you don't so when it comes to um secondary market sales for nfts uh, the marketplace will take their cut. Often the uh, the token themselves will take it, the crypto themselves, so whether it's wax or ether, whatever, they'll take a bit of a cut of that. And then if it's a, a piece of art, then the artist will get whatever their secondary market creator fee is. Mm. I don't think... that I think that's inherently a much fairer system than physical items. And I, whereas people might argue on the exact percentages... I think most people would agree that's relatively fair. You know, the marketplace should get somewhat of a cut for providing the facility to trade. The creator should, of course, be, you know, be recompensed for uh, the the selling of their item or NFT from person to person because I think that's fairer for the creator at the end of the day. And, hey, these blockchains have to stay running somehow, so I don't think it's completely out of the equation for the blockchain themselves to get a percentage um, yeah definitely i think that's much more acceptable to an average user rather than hey ebay is going to take x percent paypal which most of the time paypal's payment services are not great um, they'll take some cuts and then you know some courier that will typically if it's a physical item will just throw the package out of their van window at your front door <laughs> yeah. you know that nobody likes that I, I was just gonna say we also um bypass one of the reasons there's another handout for you know asking for money and that is uh twofold actually one is the insurer you don't you we don't need to insure the fact that something is going from a to b yep. it just will <laughs> there isn't <laughs> there isn't you know i mean you could say gas fee is kind of like that but wax doesn't have any so don't worry about that um and then obviously the sort of guarantor of the money moving from one party to another, we're kind of alleviating both of those. Yeah. So it, it makes it, and and then of course it's far more environmentally friendly. If you go for a carbon neutral blockchain like uh, like Wax, then it's much better than the several people that have to facilitate the sale and movement of the item. Um, which I can imagine the the carbon footprint. If you were to like sell a guitar on eBay. I wonder what the fuck carbon footprint would be to just send it from like me just outside London to you in Newcastle. I bet I bet it'd be massive and expensive to you know yeah. send the package, insure the package, PayPal fees, eBay fees. Um, you you definitely have to insure uh, insure the package if it was you know worth anything over like twenty quid. Yeah. Um, and then you've got the travel of it. It's got to be picked up, sorted, taken somewhere. There's so many moving parts and. Perhaps there's an argument that we could be doing people out of jobs, but I'd say it's probably unlikely, given that we're still need physical items. But yep. NFTs um, are, you know, a unique medium. Yeah, and I think the caveat to the whole sort of employment question is, while it may take jobs from some sectors, it will of course add more. Yeah, in the the sort of the burgeoning NFT metaverse industry i mean i think it's appropriate to call it an industry now it's very quickly turning into one Definitely. so yeah come to think of it i bought a guitar a couple of months ago i can see it just out of the corner of my right eye that's made me think 
about the carbon footprint that that took. I mean, the postage fees alone were absurd because yep. it's a bulky item. But hmm, it's yeah, it's interesting it's, how it's you know us as a generally as in like first world countries now take that and in some cases may factor that into our decision making for for particular things um i mean <laughs> hey for those of us that aren't entirely familiar with gas fees those definitely uh enter our enter our minds when we're purchasing nfts i mean i showed you an nft earlier this week that i was going to purchase but then the gas fees ended up being about two and a half times the cost of the nft so i didn't bother in the end so yeah, i've done that so many times and i i don't know if i've mentioned it on this um but my two of my closest friends started an nft collection with um this brilliant artist who's another friend of mine and uh they it was, it was on ethereum i i didn't know they were doing it or i'd have <laughs> convinced them to come to wax but uh they did it on an ethereum and they put it on open sea and i wanted to support them and i spent five times the amount the nft was on the gas fees jesus and that's happened so many times. Like the, at the moment I've got, I don't really want to name the chains involved in this, but I have some gaming items on one blockchain and they have kind of migrated to um, a parachain okay. and the parachain has no gas fees, which makes it, you know, it's much, much better. It's got a higher transaction cap. It's uh, quicker. It's carbon neutral. You know, it's brilliant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but the problem is I can't move my items from the, the previous chain to the new one, even when they're at the bridge, without paying gas fees to move them across, which is going to cost me probably thousands and thousands of dollars if I want to do it. Jesus. So my items are just annexed on uh, on the on the wrong chain, and it's just this is a ridiculous, just a ridiculous problem that um, I can't believe we're still having in 2022. And I think it'll be something that in five, ten years time, when we're talking about uh, you know NFTs and blockchain gaming, I think we'll we'll be like do you remember gas fees? Like, how was that a thing? Yeah, I don't think gas fees are going to be a... For sort of the long-term success of blockchains, I don't think gas fees can be around for very long. But that sort no, of segues quite nicely into why, instead of why do we believe in NFTs generally, uh, why do we believe in a wax NFT specifically? And it's, mm-hmm. you know, that the, the carbon neutral factor, the lack of gas fees, the ability to perform an incredible amount of transactions incredibly quickly... Uh, the underlying technology behind it, particularly, you know, EOS IO chains uh, and WAX, WAX specifically, which is, you know, of course, what myself and Rob are most familiar in is, uh, I mean, I believe, I'm not sure about yourself, Rob, is leaps and bounds ahead of some of the other chains that are out there. And yeah. the uh, the the community of uh, of WAX in particular is, I believe, second to none in the, uh, the NFT space. Uh, of course, you've got, uh, you know, really really sort of burgeoning communities around uh you know projects like garlic games or around board apes or punks um but naturally because of the higher uh barrier to entry in terms of cost uh, i don't think they get such a groundswell of support that the wax community does uh, of course mm. there's you know aped projects on wax there's some games where you well some projects where the floor prices for some items are much higher than the average person can afford let's say but as a caveat to that there's also bits of art and collections you can pick up that are one dollar two dollars and because wax wallets are so easy to obtain and you know the secondary market system is so fair no matter what marketplace you're choosing although of course i'd recommend atomic hub it's just such a 
it has all the tools it needs to create a very a very fair community a very passionate community and it's just in a great place for both creators and collectors moving forward and i do hope you know we're just at the start of 2022 and so many amazing things have happened on wax this year already i think we've got an incredible year ahead of us and i think looking into the future um there's a ton of potential in wax and i'm not i <laughs> i don't want to say something like lines of oh, i hope i'm proven right blah blah because that's going to sound a bit egotistical but i i can't see a way feasibly that wax's community will just dissipate or disappear or move somewhere else i think it's it's such a great group of people that have grown up and even the past 12 months you know joined the nft space together joined the crypto space as a whole together some have just become collectors some have become creators some are now working in the industry like i am and it's it's a beautiful thing <laughs> to, to put it in a very in a very flowery ending poetic way, yeah <laughs> Uh, I mean, yeah, I obviously am big into wax. I so token game is actually chain agnostic. We mm-hmm. we talk about um, all games, all blockchain games on all on all things. And like today, I wrote about the GME and the Mutable X um, partnership, which is mm. <clears throat> really big, really exciting. And you know, I'm I'm not blind to there being other great chains. There are other great yep. chains. Um, Binance Smart Chain is one. <laughs> That's why we have a bridge between the two soon. So yeah. there are plenty of good chains out there. And I, and I usually counsel people against the tribalism of crypto yeah, of where you're just like one chain above all. But, you know, when we started Token Gamer, as I've said, we weren't we were into engine. Engine was what got us into blockchain gaming. Um, now we work with Wax. We're a block producer for Wax. So we obviously have some bias, but... I try to keep the bias in check, but I do think the bias, or at least my support for Wax, is justifiable. We've it's done so well in the gaming sector, which is obviously where I specialise personally. The gaming sector it's it's done incredibly well. It's had some of the top games for the entire of last year, and it has proven that it can handle heavy transaction loads, which we have seen. Um, was it last month? where I won't name the game, I won't name them, but a game came out on a different blockchain, became mm-hmm. insanely popular very, very quickly and crashed the network. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's wild to me that people don't see that sort of thing and just run a mile. Uh, because Wax has is proven its pedigree at handling hundreds of thousands of transactions without, you know, in, in very short periods of time without crashing the network. And I think that's, that's for me particularly valuable because it is difficult to do and to do that without having any gas fees and with being carbon neutral um, means that I, that's the horse I'm backing for for being a major player in uh, in blockchain gaming. And I, I think, although I haven't said this before, the partnership they forged with um, Binance Smart Chain, who have been arguably the second best blockchain for gaming or maybe even joint first in recent months in terms mm-hmm. of active, um, <clears throat> unique active wallets and users and transactions too. They've had a number of games on um, Binance Smart Chain that have done really, really well. And to see that Wax is open opening to partnerships like the one with Binance Smart Chain with blockchain brawlers and creating the bridge between the two, that that is the final cherry on top of my support for Wax. Seeing them open up to that sort of thing and not being like, 
no, we want to be the only chain in town. That shows me that that I, you know, I I feel like I've made the right decision. Obviously, we can always be proven wrong. And cliche klaxon, this isn't financial advice. But <laughs> for me, Wax has a lot to do with why I support um, blockchain gaming and NFTs as much as I do and why I believe in it as much as I do. Um, yep. And why, you know, while I, I cover a lot of chains and I believe in a lot of other chains as well, that I think they'll have a role to play. I think, uh, yeah, Wax is one of the front runners for sure. Yeah, I think from from personal experience, I think Wax is it's the perfect sort of gateway chain. Whether you stick with Wax or Wax becomes a part of your wider NFT collecting journey, I think it can be quite difficult for the average person to get into ETH NFTs, etc. Because of things, you know, gas fees and whatever else. But I mean, speaking from personal experience, if it wasn't for Wax as a wallet being so easy for me to just create and to have that ease of access of getting into the space i don't know if i would be where i am today yeah so i i guess i i owe that to wax i i completely agree with you that you know i sort of hate any forms of tribalism but i do i do agree that wax has its own its own unique set of benefits let's say yeah and hey that's for the good of nfts as a whole yeah, and a strong community, as you said. I, I haven't mentioned that, but um, you've said it. It does have a strong, passionate community. And the more I engage with it, the more I enjoy it with it. You really do get out of it what you put in. So, um, yeah, that's 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 probably should be it. I think we, we've uh, we've gone on for some time now. Maybe we should... We have. We have, yeah, look yeah, at that time. Have. Wow. Um, oh, let's okay. have a quick look. Whereabouts are we at? Holy moly. Okay, that's been a while. <laughs> I didn't realise we, we'd... Well, obviously, I mean, we picked a, a fluffy topic for me and my um, recent baby brain. So uh, <laughs> it clearly has worked because uh, we've we've been chatting away, but hmm. maybe we should we should wrap up now. Do you want to do your, your well-versed outro? You wrap this now, basically. <laughs> it's getting to that point, isn't it? Okay, so NFT Insider. It's nftinsider.io for the latest Wax NFT news. And it's nftinsider underscore io on Twitter and Instagram for the very latest. Uh, for me personally, it's at hydropowered on Twitch, Twitter, and Instagram. That's H-Y-D-R-O-P-W-R-D. I stream three times a week, Wednesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays at 19 UTC, playing the latest blockchain games and all sorts of other fun stuff, giving away some NFTs, having a bit of fun. So you can find me there as well. Over to you, Rob needs a beat behind that that was uh it's very rhythmic i liked it <laughs> uh yes token gamer tokengamer.io is where you'll find all blockchain gaming news and giveaways and good stuff and then uh at wait what yes at token gamer news <laughs> wow the baby brain did kick in i knew it kick in it just took like an hour um at token gamer news is our twitter handle and I just want to draw some attention to the fact that our giveaway that I've mentioned on the last few podcasts is going live tomorrow. Ooh. And it has got absolutely ridiculous. Honestly, I'm so excited about this because we have well over 200 NFTs to give away. Wow. Um, even with the current prices, we're deep into four figures um, with the value of these NFTs right now. And we even um, partnered up with FGL for Cosmic Clash, which is coming mm. out um, soon. That's a big partnership that uh, Wax have cultivated. And we have one of their ship packs to give away, which I really, really like. 
And uh, we also have oh we got there's a there's a whole bunch of people we've teamed up with uh, Splinterlands, Alien Worlds, um, Noah, Midgard, Immersus, Dark Country, Farming Tales, uh, Metropolis Origins, uh, Costume Clash. Uh, it, honestly, it's amazing. We've we've got so many things uh, to give away, and thank you to you know anyone listening that works at those games for your generosity. So all you need is to download our app, which. You can easily find on our website and be in our discord which you can easily find on our website and we will give details tomorrow on how to enter but it'll be super easy and we have hundreds of nfts to give away over the next month so um yeah sorry my outro is a little bit longer but i'm excited about that no 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 uh, longer for a very good reason that, that's uh i think anybody listening to this should uh, definitely head on over to your website get that app downloaded and get yourself in the running for winning some of those nfts and of course there's a bunch of fantastic content on Token Gamer, if I uh, may say so without... You may. You know. <laughs> but I'll hey, allow it. You know, there's... Um, look, I look at Token Gamer every day, see what, uh, you know, the latest things Rob's written about, and it's always... It's it's high-quality content, and it's a joy to read. I appreciate that. We, so, we, you know, if- uh, while, you know, while we're bigging each other up, your drop calendars and constant <laughs> way of staying looped into the WAX network is uh, unparalleled. So <laughs> high five to you while we're we're patting each other, giving each other a belly rub. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you, thank you. And hey, I think I've got big plans for NFT Insider this year. I'm sure you've got huge plans for Token Gaming as well. So, yeah, lots of hey, stuff coming. Follow our socials, keep in touch, and yeah, come on the journey with us both. Yeah, that was cheesy end, but I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> I've, been, I've been relying on these overly cheesy phrases lately, haven't I? Yeah, I I like it. I I think it's wholesome. You're a wholesome man. Oh no, I mm, I don't know. I think after my Vegemite and Ladybird and other experiences. Well, you're not wholesome to insects, sure, but you're wholesome <laughs> to humans. <laughs> oh, holy moly! Okay, that's. Uh, I think that's a wrap. Yeah. Let it there. Um, episode twelve next week. So, yeah, we hope to see you then. We won't yep. see you then. We hope you listen. We won't then. listen. We haven't done that since like episode two. That uh, see you next uh, week. Yeah. Hmm. We need to improve on that, don't we? Yeah. I mean, have we finished? <laughs> uh, I'm not sure. I've, I've, we're, <laughs> we're just rambling going. now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, come back next week, please. Yeah, sorry, man. Nice.